This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... It's the thought that helps. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. And welcome to another week, everyone. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a good week. We have such a jam-packed show this week that we are going to eliminate your herd. And roly-poly Rorty, because why should I be the only one to suffer? That is true. So, <laughs> what we are willing to give you instead this week. And you know why we're so long? No. Because Tom did the interview. That is not the reason why. <laughs> Chatty Kathy Tom. Chatty Kathy Tom did an interview with director John Manning, who directed a movie called Burlesque, Heart of the Glitter Tribe. Mm -hmm. And it's about this collective of burlesque dancers who operate out of Portland, Oregon. Um, And you can find the movie on Netflix right now. And you could also visit GlitterTribeTheMovie.com to find out more. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty much it i mean cool you know, story bro <laughs> I, you know when you listen to this interview it is by far our longest interview we have ever, ever done ever it is literally the entire show but if you are looking to make a documentary mm-hmm. or a film and you want to learn how music rights work and how you know like the legalities of things work I mean, John was awesome. John was really, he was so informative. So if you do want to learn how to do, you know, how to become a filmmaker or what, you know, goes into making film, this is definitely the interview for you. And as an added bonus, if you're interested in burlesque, which why wouldn't you be? Because it is such an amazing art form. And this movie is really, really good. And it shows a side of burlesque that like I never knew existed, which you can hear Tom talk about. Um, you know, about that men do burlesque. I had no idea, you know? And, and I mentioned that to him, too. Yeah. I was like, you know, well, I was like, I, Nikki didn't even know. I literally said that you said that. Oh, yeah, I did say that. <laughs> I did say that. So there you have it. <laughs> so there you have it. So maybe we should just roll that fabulous bean footage. Okay. John. Hi, John. It's Tom from the High Regard Show. Hey, Tom. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, right on. So, how did the movie Burlesque come about? Oh, uh, well, um, let's see here. My wife, who her name is Julie Livingston, she's a producer and a writer, uh, and... She invited me, this was seven years ago, invited me to go see some of her girlfriends uh, that were putting on a burlesque show. And, of course, I thought, well, that sounds sexy. Of course, I'm going to do that. But I had no idea, really, what it was going to be. 
and uh, and I was blown away. Uh, you know, they're in in new wave burlesque. You now know because you've seen the film. But if otherwise you didn't know, uh, it's it's kind of it's it's not what burlesque was 30 years ago in the wave of the 60s. It's not what it was in the 40s or the 20s. It's a different animal, and it's very interesting. It's very entertaining, but it's also very interesting when you start realizing that, oh, well, these people are doing all of these costumes and choreography and rehearsing and all for no money. Uh, and, uh, and you realize that they, they, have, they have created a chosen family as well. And, and you really have to ask yourself, well, why would you do that for no money? Is it really, is it really so entertaining for you on stage to do that? And, and the answer is that it gives a lot back to the people in the audience, but to the people on stage. And the answer is yes, it does. Um, and so I just thought it was, I, I happened to be hungry for a, a new documentary project at that point. And, and I thought that this, this could be fantastic. But in the documentary world, unless somebody comes to you with a concept and or money, you know, as a filmmaker, you 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 know you kind of go on your hunches, and and you can find out after a couple of years, you know, this isn't really going anywhere, or this isn't what I thought, or I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm not interested anymore, and and so we spent a couple years shooting and shooting and shooting shows while we were thinking about it. You know, because neither of us come from, you know, let's call it a subculture. So neither of us come from within that subculture. So it's all, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing it all from an outsider's view. But like any subculture that you don't know really much about, probably things that are mistaken preconceptions, um, you, you, have to, you have to dive in uh, before you can really even, well, figure out what the issues are, what you would ask these people, or what's really fascinating about it, or, you know, what's what's uh, surprising about it, and all those things. So it took us a couple of years to, to really plant our feet and then start to realize, oh, well, we're, we're learning the differences of, of performances and the differences of um, performance styles and the types of, of performers that are actually on stage. And then some of some certain performers really started rising to the surface, uh, and we would see, you know, in more and more places. And so then we just kind of slowly started to do initial interviews with them, and 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 started to realize, oh, there there is something here. Uh, and with each of the people that we ended up with, we interviewed them a number of times because you get smarter as the person asking questions. And, you know, you realize like you do from from one interview to the next, oh, I want to go back and ask him or her this, or I want to ask them that. Uh, so, uh, uh, so, you know, it was probably our third or fourth year before we really started to see that what we were collecting uh, had something and that we then we started seeing in a way what we were looking for.
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't just go into an interview and have no clue. It's kind of like you and I talking about, well, you have to see the movie. Right. If you're a filmmaker, <laughs> if they just made a film, that just makes makes sense. But you also, you know, in the case of, of uh, you know, kind of an underground world like this, you, you have to you have to be into it long enough to, to, to really start thinking about it. Uh, you're still an outsider, but you have to, you have to, you have to fall into it enough to understand what, what motivates these people, uh, and, and what they're up against, if you will, like in a storytelling sense, what are your obstacles? So I understand that this makes you happy, but what are you giving up, you know, and, 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 you know, what, why is, you know, look at this natural conflict that all of them have because they all have day jobs. And they have day jobs that they, most of them, have to create a persona, if you will, a, a personified life to be a burlesque performer in the evenings so that it doesn't jeopardize their job. You know, some of these people are bank tellers and graphic designers and, you know, things that actually, the, 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 even in Portland, Oregon, people might not be so up with having that be what they're bank teller is doing at night it doesn't fit with their brand if you will or whatever so um so it took us a while to really kind of figure that stuff out and uh uh so anyway i'm sorry i'm rambling but no it was great are you kidding this makes my job a lot easier (laughs) so like how are they as far as uh, the performers themselves in like accepting you because like you've mentioned like you know you're not part of the subculture in the beginning going in and then are they looking at you like, oh, man, here's this guy just wants to come in and start filming our performances. Right. Was it that or right. did they accept you right away? And Well, um, yeah, I, I, several things. On the one hand, uh, I have kind of developed a way to be able to help people feel comfortable because I'm not a I'm kind of not a taker. I'm a giver. So. I don't go in and just start shooting something or something like that. So we talked to these people a lot before we ever pulled out a camera. But the main thing was that I realized early on that one of the burlesque artists, and it turned out to be the main person mm-hmm. in the film, Zora. Okay. Um, we decided that she's a very smart woman also. We decided... Uh, we wanted to make her one of our producers. Okay. So it would give her skin in the game, if you will, right. play on words, but, uh, uh, and everybody trusted her, or she is a trusted person in the uh, burlesque world. And so initially then that gave us some credibility for, well, if Zora says you're good, then I'm good with that. Uh, so, and she, she also is a, uh, a burlesque producer, which just means that she's the head of a troupe. Uh, so, so we got access easily to that troupe and those shows. And then there are many other people that she knows and that she knew at the time, um, that, that then once there became, uh, some momentum behind a documentary film, being made about burlesque by some otherwise serious filmmakers, um, then people wanted to be a part of it. Uh, but but you you certainly are. Uh, it's 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 very touchy because of the day job night 
job kind of thing, and that it's nudity. You know, so it it, it might surprise you, but it probably shouldn't. That just because you're a someone is a burlesque performer, that actually doesn't mean that they want to have photographs of them or videos of them doing burlesque all over the internet in some uncontrolled way. They don't want that. And I can totally see that. And it's surprising yeah. in a way because, I mean, what they do is so artistic that, you know, like they was, like you said in a documentary, it's, it's not like just going out there and stripping. There's way more of an art form to it than just the dance part of it and trying to make money because these people don't. Right. Correct. Correct. They might, they might split the door. Which at the end of the night, that means maybe each of them got gas money. <laughs> right. So it's it's not like I said, it's not something that you do as a second job because you need some more cash. It's just not going to do that unless you're Dita Bontese or something. Uh, the, the 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 regional reality of burlesque dancers is that it's it's a thing that you enjoy and you can't stop doing it that way. But it's not something to fill your bank account. It will probably delete your bank account. Uh, whatever so so, yeah so apparently if this thing grows we should all pretty much start investing in like you know rhinestones and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) well you know what's funny another thing that i found out very early on that made me made me think about this as a as as being interesting and also viable for a film is that, uh, you know, I didn't know about this really and i thought oh okay well burlesque let me guess it's in San Francisco, New York, and New Orleans, and Seattle, probably. You're like, mm, well, okay, you could, you could see that, also Portland. But the reality is, try Cincinnati, San Antonio, East St. Louis, San Diego, El Paso. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of everywhere. Uh, so I thought, hmm, I don't think people realize that either. Uh, right. That's part of what makes it interesting because it is also kind of hyper regionalized. There are many troops that uh, you know just perform in Chicago and occasionally will go out and do a festival or something somewhere else. But but they're a Chicago group. Um, so I, I I thought that was interesting and I thought that it showed uh, how big it was, but most people didn't really realize that. Uh, and, I, and I thought that that would that would help us for uh, more people being in it uh, than you realize, helping for uh, um, ultimately developing an audience for it, and eventually being able to sell it to a distributor or make a deal with a distributor. You don't really sell it to the distributor, but making a deal with the distributor. Part of that is who cares. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, you kind of have to a- answer that question for people. And and uh, and of course, that you're you're not, you know, that, that there is a much greater audience for something like this than people that are either just performers or people that uh, would go to a performance if it was easy to go to. You know, you're hoping that this is a story that in some ways transcends just burlesque and is about chosen family and is about uh, feminism believe it or not you know that that was an important thing for us to learn and explore in the film that that there's a natural opposition especially for some people who haven't thought about it but uh-huh. uh, there's a natural opposition to 
can you be a feminist and also take your clothes off? Well, that's a discussion. Uh, you know, so, and, and it might not surprise you that uh, all burlesque dancers don't agree on that, the answer to that. Uh, you know, uh, so, well, that makes it interesting. From a storytelling standpoint or a filmmaking standpoint, that's good because you have people uh, uh, that are kind of in direct opposition to each other, so it helps you decide, oh, I have to decide. Here's one way to look at it. Here's another way to look at it. Hmm, I think I'll go with what she says. You know, so it kind of engages you when there's, when there's strong opposition. So. Were you surprised at the opposition in talking to them? Because, I mean, you kind of kind of probably have gotten close to some of them like over the amount of time yeah. that you filmed yes yeah definitely and you know it's so funny that in some ways uh uh we, we have we have gotten very good reviews uh, overall on the film I'll, I'll say that and that is true for the people that have uh that have looked under the rock to try and find something to um uh, I don't know, have, bring a negative uh, aspect to it. Um, they have said, well, clearly you liked your uh, subjects too much. Uh, because, well, the, the, you know, and this is, this is a reality in documentary filmmaking. Many people believe that you shouldn't actually become friendly with your subjects because, you know, you can see where that, that line of thinking goes that you aren't going to be subjective, and that your newly found friendship with this person, unless it is specific to your story, is really kind of changing the world that you're trying to expose. And I don't mean in an expose kind of way, but, but bringing to light. that it changes it if now you've fallen in love with these people. Well, I will say... Uh, to hold my hand up and be guilty, I did fall in love with these people, um, and 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 that is why this documentary is less. There is not a hard journalistic edge to this documentary, which I'm completely okay with. Uh, to me, it is what I have come to refer to as an affectionate portrait. Uh, so clearly, the filmmaker does like these people and was not looking for the underbelly story, uh, there was enough there for this angle of the story to have a complete film made around it, I believe, humbly. Um, oh, yes. and, and that I didn't need to go there, but that there are hardcore journalists and hardcore documentarians that believe, well, it's not really very journalistic to have done that, and not essentially, basically found people that were against it, found people that were uh, had ruined their lives or some such. Uh, I just wasn't interested in doing that. I, I I felt this it was such an interesting subculture and and uh, you know world that that just to show that and to show that these people were were interesting and real and smart and articulate human beings. Um, that's actually, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to try and be everything. You know, let somebody else make that documentary. I'm not against that, but then you go out and make that documentary. You know? Right. And it's so much heavy news out there these days that, like, yeah. I mean, we loved it. I mean, for us, it was an escape, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. It's fascinating to think also that a documentary could be an escape, and it doesn't really have to 
need to force you to also, you know, think deeply about it and make a choice or something like that and then go out and become, you know, uh, uh, you know, recycle the world or something like that. You know, this, this can just be a fascinating look inside a world that most people don't know anything about. That's enough. Yeah, and okay. and we learned from it. I mean, you know, um, when Nikki first watched a film last week, she came to me and she was like, did you know that there's male burlesque dancers? And and uh, <laughs> we both never actually been to a show. Um, so uh-huh. your your film was the first, you know, introduction to that world for us. And uh-huh. um, we've seen, I mean, we, we live here in New York City and... Um, yeah. We have shows that happen, I think, three nights a week. There's a place that does shows, and they're all themed like, you know, they have like a Star Wars night, and they have like a Doctor right. Who night. And, and uh, you know, people from work go. And so I've heard that there were men dancers, so I wasn't surprised by that. But I was surprised at her reaction that, you know, we did know so little about this until we saw the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's also interesting in the history. You know, I, as a storyteller, whether you're going to write a book or make a movie, you know, you have to decide what you're going to not say as much as you're going to say. Mm-hmm. So I, I just decided it has a rich history, and I decided not to tell any of that history. That all, if you, you can't really do justice to the history of burlesque in one or two minutes, let's just leave it at that. You should go look for other documentaries on, on what they call in the business legends. And that's interesting. And that's fascinating. In New York City, I think that it was in the wave of the 20s. And maybe it was, and it had, it had to do with uh, cleaning up Broadway. And I think that first started in the, oh God, it had to do with alcohol, alcohol uh, becoming legal and all of that prohibition. But the biggest stars in America, this is also before movies were the biggest thing, the biggest stars that were on the pages and followed by uh, paparazzi every night and every week were burlesque dancers, burlesque performers. Um, well, that's interesting. You know, it's also interesting that, oh, well, those, the women used to be in between, in between men, and men weren't really uh, uh, part of the performers per se. They were telling jokes, and they would tell jokes in the middle, and, and, and that would take the time for the girls sometimes to change clothes or get ready for another act, and then there would be another uh, 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 female burlesque performer, usually. There weren't hardly ever any male burlesque performers, although there were people who were part of the show that were doing the the comic relief, if you want to call it that. Well, now it's kind of a different brand. You know, it's kind of a different animal now. And and so I, I found that fascinating and interesting. And I just as a storyteller, I figured, let's just start with the let's just start with uh, the, 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 the prayer before a show. You know, let's just get into it. Just fall into the world. Don't, I, 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 I just chose not to do a setup. So, um, so yeah, so I, 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 I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, that. and how, like, that, that's the other thing. When we first turned it on, we were, like, going, wow. At first we were, like, is this a religious movie? Is the prayer a normal? <laughs> and then, you know, and then later on we saw, you know, the Jesus puppet segment. And then we were, like, going, it's not. <laughs> no. But... 
But how, it, like, is it a um, an often occurrence? Is it usually a prayer before a show? Is that normal for, like, the community? I wouldn't necessarily say that it is. It just happened to be one of the things, you know, once you start shooting, uh, you try and, uh, uh, you know, it took us a couple of years to get backstage access uh, because all of these things kind of came in waves of... Uh, getting to have them believe that we were not going to try and take something away from them or that we were not going to show them in a bad light. Uh, and, and, and so as time went on, this is why this film could not be made in three months or something, that it takes time for these things to happen, and they have to happen somewhat organically. You can't really force them to happen. That people trusted us, and they trusted us to shoot cameras backstage. Well, for one thing, the backstage, quote-unquote, of a bar theater is a pretty crappy place. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. um, and, 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 you know, so part of it is actually to show you what it's like backstage and how unglamorous it is. Again, it helps you figure, like, oh, well, why are these people doing this? And they don't get paid? <laughs> 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 you know, so so you start watching it. And I think if you know nothing, you immediately start asking questions. Uh, you know, and I that that that's interesting. And it as it turned out, uh, three of the people, at least three of the people that are in that initial prayer, which opens the film, um, are are people that we follow, essentially over a few years. We follow and become the main characters of the film. So that's why also that one little 20-second scene made sense as an opener for us because that that's our cast, uh, partially. So Yeah, and it was it was such a out-of-character opening than what we expected it to be because, I mean, you know, <laughs> when you hear Burlesque, you're just thinking the performance. You're not thinking of all the stuff right. that happens backstage. So when it opened like that, we were like, wow, what is this about? <laughs> right. right, good, good. So, yeah, it was it was very very well start. Um, how would you, how many people would you say over the years um, you have come in contact with to make this documentary? Like how many dancers, and how did you decide on the final twelve? Good question. Thanks. Um, well, first of all, we shot uh, we shot uh, easily over a hundred hours of shows. Wow. And you know, and and in a way. You almost you have to see if, if if you're the filmmaker, you have to see a lot a lot of shows before you start to learn what burlesque is, and then you start to notice you you, you kind of become trained in who's better and who's not as good, and who's more interesting, and who do the who do the uh, audiences respond to, and what are they responding to, you know. So this takes time. And, 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 and so one, one of the parts of that was aligning ourselves with uh, uh, Zora, mm -hmm. who is that main character, giving the uh, uh, prayer in the very beginning of the movie, but she's a character all the way through. Okay. Um, and, 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 and she helped us with access to, to, to other performers. And, and so... Uh, Styles started to stand out to us. Part of new wave burlesque is that much of it is done to pop music. 
uh, as opposed to a, uh, what they refer to as classic, which just means classic is usually done to older music. So older jazz music or bossa nova or something else like that, it's not done to Michael Jackson or it's not done to Nine Inch Nails or it's not done to uh, 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 Prince or something like that. Um, and, and so we wanted to make sure that we focused in on a group of characters that were all different. We didn't want any two of those people to be the same. And we said, oh, well, it has to be men and women. Uh, it, it, it would not be honest uh, to the reality to make the show all about women if, in fact, we had come to learn that there's plenty of men that do this. Well, that's automatically interesting. Absolutely. Uh, especially, like you said, because most people don't think that there are. But when you realize that there are, it's interesting because then you want to say, well, why? And how is it different than doing what the girls do and, and all of that? And, and, and so we wanted to some guys in it. We also wanted to make sure there were people of color, of which there are many. Uh, uh, many in our film, but also many in, in the burlesque world. Uh, so, um, uh, also, you know, some, you, you could like any of those people, if you were the filmmaker, or let's say you were writing a book about them, you could like any of those people, and, and you know, before you interview somebody, a lot of times, if you can, and I could, uh, because it's quite a commitment filmmaking-wise to interview somebody. Okay. Um, I had pre-interviews with everybody, and you know where we just kind of you know met and, and had a beer or some coffee or something, and we just talked for an hour or so. And as a filmmaker, I I I, I could I could I could see them being a part of the film or not, or you could sense that oh they they're not very good at talking about why they do what they do. And some people aren't, you know, so some people we had to we had to go through the people that we thought might be interesting. But in a pre-interview, we decided they weren't the right person. And then some people that we chose to interview, we realized, uh, especially some of the first couple of people, we realized, you know what, they don't represent what we're realizing this movie is becoming about about chosen family and conversations about deeper things like feminism and that. Um, and, uh, and, we, and, and so some people that we uh, spent time and interviewed and hours and money and all of that, um, we didn't use one frame from that interview because the interview, uh, we, we, the interview just didn't stand up to the bigger story. Yeah, and as we that. realized what the bigger story was, then we went back and we had a second and a third and a fourth interview with essentially the people that became the stars of it. And and only in a third or fourth interview or where you're hanging out in the basement floor with the camera on talking to somebody who has now talked to you several times, seen you for several years at the shows, are they going to explain? you know, expose their heart to you and tell, tell you things that, that, that are the things that they, that they're not proud of, and that, that, but are part of them, you know, like having a drug habit or, 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 you know, I was sexually abused as a child. People don't say that when you first interview them. Oh, no way. So they, you know, you, you gotta get there. And you get there by being more trusted uh, and all, you know, so kind of being who you say you are. And then eventually you're kind of like, oh, well, let's just fucking get real. 
Yeah. You know, what 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 are the real problems here? I get all the good reasons, man. A burlesque is fun, and an evening at burlesque is fun. But but so so you know what what's the other side to you? Um, and that's the only way you're going to get some of those stories. Because some people still won't go there because because you know darkness can be a hard thing to admit to, but it helps make a make a good documentary, of course, or a good story because of course, like you or your brother, or your mother, or your sister, or your lover, everybody has their sufferings. Yeah. And we... and it needs, and, and if you're going to color a world and show somebody something, I kind of need to see some kind of, of, of full way to look at it, even if you don't do the hard journalistic thing and go find people against you know, go to Waterboro Baptist or somewhere, find the, you know, interview people against any nudity or interview people who did, used to do burlesque, but now they're a saved Christian or something like that. So <laughs> we, 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 we didn't think the story needed that. So. No, and we thought it was great how, like, you developed the characters throughout the show. And it's strange because, I mean, the 12 personalities that you have within that movie, um, I feel like you can pick out certain aspects of each person and say like going, you know what? That's my favorite character. Like, I feel like anybody can do that. And the way the movie kind of rolls out is that you kind of hook us, make us pick a favorite and then find out, you know, what their dark problem was going into it, which makes you feel even more for those people because right. you have come attached to them throughout, you know, the last hour leading up to, you know, that part of it. Yeah, right. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that was great. So mm-hmm. what was one of the most surprising things you learned about burlesque during the filming? That's a good question. Um, let me answer it in a couple of ways. Technically, uh, I was, uh, uh, and I've been a filmmaker my whole life. Um, I'm in my 37th year of being a filmmaker. Wow. Uh, so, uh, so I have been around the block a little bit. It is my third feature film as a producer, my first feature film as a director. Um, having said that, the reason I'm telling you that is, having said that, I got schooled in the legality of... Uh, uh, of what's called fair use. Okay. And you probably know about fair use as a, as a journalist or a filmmaker, uh, uh, you, there, there, you are allowed to quote people. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to quote parts. You're allowed to quote excerpts from uh, a book. Uh, you're allowed as a filmmaker, you are allowed to, to show a clip of music. The mm-hmm. question is how much? Okay. And 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 that and on the one hand, there's a specific answer to that. On the other hand, it's also kind of cloudy. And in the film business, uh, it, it it this 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 film would have gone nowhere, which means I never could have gotten a distributor unless I embraced wholeheartedly the legal issues and didn't fight them uh, about this film. And this film has many legal issues. Um, and, and the main one is the fair use of music. 
fair, leave it to say everybody we shot in every show brought their own music, but, but, but they brought Prince's music and they brought Michael Jackson's music and they brought, you know, uh, uh, whomever, uh, uh, music. Well, that, that's fine for them. And they may or may not have a legal issue doing that. But as soon as you record that as a filmmaker, and now you're going about creating a new work, you are only allowed a very specific amount of seconds, it's usually less than 15, of a clip of that, that video that includes the music they put into it, and anything else that's longer than that, um, you will have to replace. Wow. So by the end, we shot for six years and we edited for a year. And uh, by the end of the year of editing, we had only 17 pop clips okay. that are used as uh, fair use, which means we didn't pay for them. But there is 15 seconds of a Prince song. Uh, there is 15 seconds of this or that or whatever in, in some other situations. They had to be extremely specific to what to what that song writer was saying in their words and what our performer was saying in their interview. It had to specifically link. Wow. And so so there's that. And then anything above that, time-wise, you had to replace. So we had a composer, Jim Walker, who's a extremely talented uh, uh, musician-composer that did essentially what we call sound-alikes for, uh, for all of the rest of the music, of which there are 200 and some cues. Uh, so was it the exact bossa nova that Sandria danced to? No, it wasn't. But it, was it still bossa nova? Yes, it was. Uh, and it has to be the same beats per minute, and it has to be the same vibe. But it can't. But you're not covering that song. In other words, you're not you're not replaying that song, but just playing it yourself. That wouldn't that that's not enough. You have to make it your own song. Well, so we had to do that over two hundred times. Wow. In all different styles. Because, okay, so one of them is Michael Jackson. Well, you don't exactly do a Michael Jackson song, but you do something that has that basic feel to it. Uh, you know, so that's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Very difficult. Um, and that took many, many months and a lot of money relative to um, the composer, the composing time, and then relative to the legal work. And the reason you have to do all that I'm giving you way too much information, I'm sure. No, no, uh, we love it. Are you kidding? We never get okay, to see good. behind the curtain. Okay, good. Is that, to, now, again, this is all relative to ever getting the world to see your film. And as a filmmaker, you're just hoping. Because no one ever paid me to do this film. This is a film that we thought people we would like to see and that we would be able to get a distributor on. So when you go down that road, then, in this case, you have to have a legal firm specifically an entertainment legal firm that specializes in documentary fair use. And so we hired them, and they look at rough cuts of your film, and they tell you back and forth with, with each new rough cut which clips are gonna, they would stand up for legally, 
uh, and they would be able to, you know, uh, mount a defense for, and the ones that absolutely will not fucking fly. And so, and it is only at the end of that process with them as attorneys that they will give you an opinion letter. The given is that the opinion letter is, our opinion is that this will fly. This will fly without Sony suing you. This will fly without uh, Warner Brothers, uh, 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 Warner Music suing you. Uh, and by having that opinion letter, letter from that entertainment uh, legal firm, that's the only way that you will get E&O insurance, which is errors and omissions, uh, for, that will cover your film. And that is one of about 100 things you have, have to have done correctly on your film for a distributor to go, Okay, well, you've got E&O. Okay, let's talk about everything else. Well, just E&O on this film was a massive undertaking. Oh, um, sure. So, anyway, so that, that, that's the long version of that. That's what I learned technically as a filmmaker, that because I had never done that before, that was, I, got, I got schooled, so that's fine. <laughs> I learned that now. But I learned otherwise just as a kind of whatever, a human being or an audience member than, than you know, watching this film and, 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 and also making it is, uh, you know, I learned a lot of empathy for people that uh, people judge very easily. Uh, and, that, and that's true in your whole life. You know, all of us have some kind of a tendency to be judgy, uh, well, it, whether it's a lot or a little, whether it's relative to sexuality, whether it's relative to color of skin, whether it's relative to your job, you know, all of these things. And by falling into this uh, 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 subculture, uh, again, for better or worse, uh, I fell in love with these people. I learned about feminism in ways that I hadn't uh, imagined it before, and sexuality in terms of, uh, you know, like Isaiah says, I'm not a drag queen, and here's why. You know, well, that's fascinating. Unless you're a drag queen, you don't actually have any idea that who, what, what's the line of actually being a drag queen or just being a character. Well, that's interesting. You know. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so I found all of that 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 stuff being interesting that, in a way, I would never have learned before. Because remember, I'm a I, I as a storyteller, I have to be pulled forward by being intrigued in this world. I can't be bored by this stuff, and I can't present it to anybody else if if I'm bored by it. So I'm constantly intrigued by it, uh, and 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 so I was learning those things as well, which is how we decided, is this part of the story in or out? Because it might not surprise you, when you sit down to edit, there are many whole sections that you thought were going to work that uh, just in telling the story, they don't work anymore. So some things, you know, some really good things and good stories and good stuff ends up on the floor. You know, you can't make a five-hour documentary and get it released, uh, you know, so it has to be a certain length and everything and some stuff is going to just end up on the floor. Uh, but I learned a lot uh, going through it just, just as in a way I hope that most people would by watching the film. Yeah. And I mean, but we learned a lot and I can't imagine what a hundred hours worth of it would have looked like. I mean, you know, going through it and trying to pick out like what the best, you know, aspects yeah. to show are. I mean, but I feel like you really got a good grasp on what it was. So well, thank you. I will tell you, let me say right here also that Beth Siegel is uh, our editor, was our editor on this project. And 
she did a fantastic job. She's an editor from New York who had just moved to Portland and had only basically done docs before. And I wanted from the very beginning a woman to edit the film and a woman who didn't know anything about this world or, uh, uh, well, this world until they came on board this project. Um, because an editor in the filmmaking process, although it's very kind of de jour today to be your own editor and be your own this and that because everybody has Final Cut Pro or whatever, um, I don't, I, I guess I'm old school enough to, to while I could do that too, um, that's, you're not going to actually make a better film that way. You make a better film, to me, the best example is look at a, cor- a choir or an orchestra is better. That um, Well, there's probably many of those people in the orchestra, maybe even the conductor, that could play those instruments, but you, have, you want all those separated by other people because they play them in different ways, and it all adds up to, 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 to one great song, if you will. Well, an editor coming in is your first audience member because the editor, remember, even if I had done a harder journalistic look at burlesque, um, still, I would like I would like certain people, I would like certain moments, I would like certain shows. Uh, whereas an editor, if you bring them in from from the outside to your film, once you think you have shot it all, that editor is going to be able to uh, say, uh, I don't think that works. Uh, I don't think that she's your best person. Uh, I don't think that's part of the story that people care about. So in a good way, and I mean this totally honestly, you're in immediate opposition with your audience in a good way, with your audience and what they're going to get and what they might or might not like put together a certain way and what you think because of your seven years of investment uh, of who you think's the best person and who you think shouldn't be a part of it or who you think was smarter or funnier or whatever. So that's good. Uh, you know, that, that made the film better and more interesting. Um, so anyway, I'm passionate about that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a great explanation. I can see you like, you know, getting tied up in it because I mean, you are such a part of it, after, you know, after being involved in a project for so long that, you know, I, I can definitely see that. Tom, let me give you another quick example. So, okay, so all that's true about Beth coming in. Beth was also the most, uh, we paid Beth her, her full rate, basically. So for her to work for us for a year, actually about 10 months, was a lot of money. It was the most money that we spent kind of cash outlay for the whole project, period. And I don't, and, 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 and it was worth it. Um, having said that, um, you know, I didn't bring her in until we had shot for six years, and Julie and I both believed, I think we have enough here. I think that we have this story, XYZ, I think we have that story, uh, and I think we have enough shows to cut away to to make a very interesting film. Okay, great. Now you hire your editor, in our case, or you start editing. Uh, and it took about four months for Beth to tell us, I think that we need to do some more shooting. Oh, jeez. Which is the last thing, was the last thing on earth I wanted to hear. <laughs> I'll but bet. That's, that's part of a good opposition. The opposition is, 
prove that that's right. And I think that she won the argument. Now, let me tell you what happened. So we said, okay, well, we've decided these are our main characters because of all these reasons. Um, but we still, we still wanted some more behind-the-scenes footage of them. Mm-hmm. And we still wanted another interview with each one of them. So we decided, and this was halfway through editing, we decided we would, uh, as the film company, Brightwater, we would, we would produce a live burlesque show that we were in control of that was just our people that we had selected because they're parts of different troops. Oh. And we would bring them all together one night for one show and call it the Glitter Tribe Review, but bring them together for one night, one show, cover that with six cameras, and follow them the afternoon before so that we got them getting ready and, got, and still ask them another half dozen questions which are things we hadn't asked them before, which were follow-on. You know, so we weren't starting over, but some other things that we knew that were really important. But we got them getting ready in their mirrors at home and you know, rehearsing again, being in the car, talking to their mother, all of these other things. We needed, all, we needed more behind-the-scenes footage, which we got. And, we, and, of course, then that night, we got all of our people only and we shot them with six cameras. So we had two cameras backstage, and we had a wide, and we had two close-up cameras, and all these things. And so we, we ended up with tons of footage then just from that day. Now, footage from that day of shooting is about 30% of our movie. Wow. One day. That is amazing. That's kind of fucking amazing. Yeah. And I'm not doing that to draw attention to myself. Uh, no, I mean. That's just how this stuff works. You know, yeah. um, you know, that's that, 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 that's possible for anything. You could do the same as writing a book. You could be mostly through your manuscript and you'd have to say, I have to go back to the Antarctic and live with the Eskimos again. <laughs> no, I, 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 I have to make sense of this in a different way and I have to ask some more questions. You know, that's just the nature of it. Yeah. You're not necessarily done when you think you're done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well... And unfortunately, I think it, it made our film. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, yeah. And, and, I mean, an ingenious idea to, like, run your own show where you can actually set up the cameras because you have more creative control over what's happening. Yep, plus the last thing, let me tell you, especially after being in editing, which is expensive, and after all the expense of, of shooting for all of those years and the time, the last thing on earth I wanted to do was, um, was have a big shoot again. You know, it's not, the, it's not that big of a deal to take one camera and right. go to a late night bar theater and and shoot a show. That's 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 one thing. But to shoot a show with six different crews, six different cameras, six different directors, six different operators. Uh, <laughs> wow. That 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 becomes a commitment of 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 money, no matter what. So oh, yeah. Anyway, so. But yeah. it paid off. So that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. It really it it was by far the right choice. Uh, uh, for uh, us, and we we proved that by it being. I'm I'm not kidding when I say it's probably thirty percent of the movie bits and pieces from those interviews and that show um, uh, that that makes a movie. So that's awesome. So what's yeah. next for you now, John? Ah, well, what's <laughs> next for me? That is such a big question. The, the million dollar question. Well. 
let's see. Let, let, let me attack that in a couple different ways. First of all, I, I, am, a, I am a commercial filmmaker, so uh, uh, I do a lot of commercials. So I, I, I still do commercials. I, I will still uh, need to do commercials because it's what I have made a life of. And, and this is this is how we you know survive in the world is, is by being good commercial filmmakers um, and we have a couple main clients that we do a lot of, a lot of work for um, in the documentary world um, I have some ideas of, of, uh, of other docs that I would like to do there is not one that I have absolutely made a personal professional commitment to be my next uh project i'm 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 very reticent to do one that would take that much time again just because uh you know it's just a a, a, a crazy huge commitment uh, many documentaries that you see are are conceived of shot edited and and end up uh on hbo within a year you know so I'd much rather do uh, one of those next. Okay. <laughs> that I can completely immerse myself in, but the beginning to end uh, uh, in a shorter amount of time. Not every. Uh, uh, it doesn't require seven years to make a good documentary necessarily. So it's not a recipe that uh, you know you could. Uh, I, I'll say you could you could work for seven years on something and still not have made something good honestly that 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 you know just time doesn't make your meal better <laughs> um, so so i'm still deciding what what is the right documentary to do again i have also worked as a feature uh... a, a, a scripted feature producer uh... and i might do uh... i might do one of those again as as a next project so i'm kind of feeling things out i'm also um, uh, I believe going to start on a writing project about my um, unbelievably fascinating uh, family that I grew up in. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be a documentary or not, um, but it will at least be a book. So, uh, nice. so a lot of things. Uh, not uh, not ready to say any one thing at this moment, um, but life is good. You know, you. I think that you know that uh, we this spring uh, the film. Uh, premiered in 26 U.S. cities theatrically mm -hmm. and uh, and also got uh, was licensed by uh, Netflix uh, and uh, uh, premiered on Netflix yesterday. Uh, and for a filmmaker at this moment, completely separate and apart from money, um, you really can't do better than Netflix. Uh, just to make sure everyone knows, at this moment, Netflix is in 190 countries, 100 million subscribers. Wow. So to see our film on what they call the trays or those things on the net, on Netflix that you slide and look at, look at the posters, uh -huh. they call those trays, to see our film on, on the trays of new, new films and documentaries that you might like is extremely satisfying, um, and uh, and and uh, you know, period. Uh, so, uh, so at this point, you know, especially over the last year or so, finishing the film and then helping to what's called deliver the film. Once you make a, a deal with a distributor, it takes many months and a whole bunch of more new money to deliver the film to them. 
Oh. Um, and and that got completed here a few months ago, so that it could go to all of the theaters, and it could go be sold to Netflix. Um, in some ways, I, I I have to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it it may take me a while to really decide what is worth sinking my teeth into again. And you know, the reality is, even though I have done all this commercial work, which Hollywood couldn't care less about. And I've, I've made a couple uh, 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 other feature films that I'm very proud of that, that didn't, you know, get huge audiences. Um, to get this film onto Netflix and for it to have gotten, uh, you know, in theaters, I'm very proud of it. Most reviews have been extremely positive. It's also a high bar. So it's not just, eh, I could do this or, eh, I could do that. I... I you know, it's a little bit more like, what's your second album? Yeah. Oh, so if the first album was really good, you know, they call that the sophomore slump or whatever, that second album becomes extremely important, even if you've been a musician for 20 years, that you were a session guy, but now you're part of Nine Inch Nails or whatever the hell it is. That second album is everything in some ways. So, yeah. you know... I, I want to make sure whatever it is that I take on next helps me kind of continue some level of momentum. And I don't really mean in terms of success, but just in terms of a, a high bar for myself uh, of, you know, being able to kick its ass and, you know, deliver something that that is surprising and interesting and entertaining. And, you know, uh, so so I... I, I guarantee you that I will, and I'm not sure at this moment exactly what that will be. So I'm giving myself a little bit of a break. So That sounds good. After the amount of work you put into this film, I feel like a break is well-deserved, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay, I got one last question for you, sir. Right on. If you were a burlesque performer, what would your name be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I have to think about that for a minute. You know, I, I, I never kind of uh, uh, created one for myself, but they, 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 there are some extremely creative ones out there, uh, and they, they, the, the, the gals, but also the guys, take take a lot of time to like come up with something really funny. I'm not sure what mine would be. I'm sure after we hang up from this call, I'll figure it out. Um, but I, but I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, I'm not drawn to be a burlesque performer, so I don't have to figure that out um, because I, 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 I have no interest really in being on stage that way. I will tell you that, I, that it, it is very satisfying to me that so many people have come to me after the screenings and said, I want to be a burlesque performer. Uh, you know, I didn't set out to try and sell burlesque but because it's an affectionate portrait it makes you feel like well everybody would should probably do this look how fun it is uh so so a lot of people have 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 really uh said that and i i i take a certain amount of pride for that uh, I, I i could have done worse so oh man no you did great no worries so i feel i i feel like that also in a way was part of my uh Although I didn't set out to do this, but the fact that it does bring a um, uh, a level of respect 
that these people certainly have for themselves, but that they probably don't necessarily get from the rest of the world, that it brings that to their, uh, to, to, to their microcosm. I'm very proud of that because, you know, none, none of that is a lie. None of that is something I created by, through editing or something like that. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very real. Yeah, and it was it was such a fascinating look at something uh, from a different perspective than I feel like, like I said, what, than what we expected. Like it was just a, a just a different take and very yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, I feel like also in a, in in a good way that has I, I I I'm glad that that now that I can kind of begin to look back on it, uh, I can see that oh, because if you if you put on a wider lens in your own life in my life in this case I can see oh I'm intrigued by uh, um, subcultures that don't have a voice you know yeah. because a filmmaker can give you a voice and I'm, I'm intrigued by misunderstood groups uh, and, and that's a good thing that, that, that actually opens up a whole area that in some ways before this well, I, I'm a filmmaker, and I have specialties of films that I of, of filmmaking that I do. But I wouldn't have thought that that was necessarily one of my um, one of one of my my own attributes. And I guess I've proven with this film that I I I enjoy that, and maybe I'm even good at that type of filmmaking. And that opens up a lot of things because how misunderstood are groups? of people around the world well anywhere from politics to any and everything there's we're kind of that's part of the problem in the world is that so many of us are misunderstood by others and so whether it's religion or land or or the way we you know our work or our morals we're we're all kind of misunderstood you know yeah but it was very good and we really appreciate you coming on today and talking with us and you know we're going to share all the links to the films and you know and absolutely and push it as much as we can thank you so much tom man i really appreciate it. i can't wait to get a link from you and see it on there and i will definitely guide people there as well i, I really appreciate the time that'll be great and and listen if you come up with a name of your burlesque uh, <laughs> thing just send it along okay. to us and i'll put i'll include it in the story for you Okay, that sounds cool. Thanks again, man. Say right. hi to Nikki. I will. Thank you so much, Thanks. John. Right on. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. And we're back. And that was a really, really great interview. I mean... John was just absolutely amazing. Like, I love somebody who's so passionate about their craft. And I love, you know, how he talked about how, you know, the process of the movie changed and, you know, going back after editing. And, like, you know, it took him six years to make this film, a year to edit it. And, you know, it just, it was just really, really interesting to hear him, like, discuss, you know, how it kind of morphed and how, and, and, and as a journalist, I really kind of liked the the fact that, like, 
you know, he touches on the fact that, like, you know, he didn't do the movie in a journalistic vein where it was like, I'm showing these people from afar. Like, he became invested in these people. He became friends with them. And like he said, he said, I was in love with these people. And sometimes, especially when you're spending so much time with a subject, like, it's hard not to kind of get, like, a Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing where, like, you just... Like, Are you saying that I got Stockholm Syndrome from my interview with John? You maybe did. So Just long. like you <laughs> maybe did get Stockholm Syndrome with John. <laughs> but that's and like that's a thing. Like that's in you know, and that's that's hard because I'm a passionate person. So like when I'm doing an interview with somebody, like I throw myself a hundred percent into researching them, and like I want to ask you things. Like you know, like he said a couple times during the interview, like these were great questions because you know you want to delve into like well, what makes you tick, and you know, I really just like because sometimes, you know, obviously it's it's hard to toe the line between reporting subjectively and then reporting on a friend or someone that like you've be- you've become close with. So I think that was like a really interesting, you know, dichotomy that he spoke about. Yeah, definitely. And I love the fact that he, you know, basically just openly um, without, you know, being coerced gave, you know, kudos to his editor mm-hmm. you know you and, never and you uh, never hear that no ever. and I, I mean the movie has a great look to it it definitely has mm-hmm. a great look to it and um and like you become invested in the people and that's just you know that's well cut the way that like oh, yeah. it's the storyline that keeps you involved with each individual um you know performer that was involved in the movie yeah and just to be able to you know take somebody for what their expertise are and bring them in and have like an outside voice say, hey, do you know what? We can use another, you know, X amount of hours on, you know, interviews or whatever. And, you know, to help bring it around because seven years on the same project, eventually, you know, you're going to be so into it. There's no way you can remember from day one to year seven what you actually have done. So right. the editor, man, that job must have been insane going through, you know, so much footage, hours yeah. of footage and splitting it up and then suggesting like what else needs to be added in order to complete this. And I mean, the movie moved quick. I mean, it's not a super long movie. We're looking at... No, it's a, like 76 minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah. definitely under an hour and a half for sure. And, uh, you know, you take a hundred hours and you bang it down to like under an hour and a half, but have like this whole story come out of it where you actually, you and I were talking during the movie and saying like, you know, it didn't take long at all to figure out who our favorite characters were. Right. And then like, you you know, you kind of waited for their part to come up to like follow along and see what they're up to next. Right. So Netflix people. Yeah. Netflix. And it's also available on uh, VOD and iTunes. Um, you know, so it's it's out now on Netflix and you should definitely watch it. It's called Burlesque Heart of the Glitter Tribe and it is definitely, definitely worth a watch. Yes, and we cannot thank John enough for actually basically doing our show for us this week. <laughs> I mean, really, there really wasn't much left after he was he done. He definitely gets a co-host credit, obviously, because I was non-existent on this interview. <laughs> well, you wrote most of the questions, or all the questions. Yeah. For the most part. I think I just threw in a couple of curveballs while the interview was going on. (laughs) But, for you know, you did your part. 
Yeah, and like, you know, we were going to split it into two different episodes because his stuff was so good, but we just felt that we needed to go a little longer this week because it all worked together and it was like a really cohesive interview and like talking about his process that we just thought, you know what, let's just give it all to you because it was just so good just both talking about the movie and the process of making a movie, which is just so interesting. Yeah, and the flow was good on the conversation, so to split that into two... Why bother? Yeah, like bother? It, we would lose, like, you know, something would get lost in the translation. As it usually does on the High Regard <laughs> show. So, again, thank you to John. We will have links to, you know, all of his information, of course, as we always do on our website. And um, if you would like to learn more about us, you could check out our website at highregardshow.com. And, of course, you could send in your questions, comments, Whatever you want. I don't Recipes. Care. Whatever. Love mail, hate mail, whatever. There's more of the latter than uh, <laughs> earlier. But uh, anyway, you can write to us at highregardshow at gmail.com. And as always, you could find us on all social media channels just going through your feeds as High Regard Show. And that does it for another week, people. We will be back next Monday. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Good night. Yeah.